I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Zach. Mish. Do you remember that time that I came into your office with a big box, like a big delivery that I'd gotten, and then I opened it and it was just a really large box of bras? Mish. It's 2009. You can't get bras delivered. <laughs> the only thing you can get delivered is pizza. Yeah. Um, well. I How d- would you get a bra delivered? Bras are in <laughs> shops made of bricks and as mortar. I sit here, as I sit And there here. is nothing more solid, Mish, than bricks and mortar. As if ever s- there was to be a pandemic worse than the swine flu, I know, but I've heard it's possible. Bill Gates, <laughs> who still works at Microsoft, said this. If ever there was to be a pandemic worse than the swine flu, we'd be fucked because the only thing we can get delivered is pizza. Yeah. As we, as I sit across from you right now, I realise as we start this episode that you and I are on very different pages about how we'll tackle this because you're very much the 2009 and I'm just like something weird happened this morning when I opened a yeah. box of bras in your office. Yeah. I don't yeah. have an office. I'm <laughs> but 19 years old. <laughs> Cool. Um, I'm uh, the only thing I have is a porno mag I bought from a, <laughs> from a service station. I'm That's the closest thing aware. I've got to an office. Zach, I'm just hyper aware that as I sit across from you, there is a ridiculously large box of bras next to me, and I just want you to know that I'm aware of it. That's good. That's good to and point you are, out. And you're aware. You're aware. Too. I'm aware of the bras, and I think you know it would have been weird. I think the the listener of our podcast would have been like. What's with the bras? Yeah. <laughs> Without context, it's just strange. Why are they just, just sitting there talking with a fucking box of bras between them? <laughs> All right, I'm back. Hi, Zach. How are you going? Hi. Um, good. Did you hear about Joe Rogan? And did you hear about Joe Rogan? No, tell me. Um, he's on to host another another season of um, Fear Factor. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, crazy. I know. It's just like he's yeah, he's signed an exclusive he... deal with Fear Factor. <laughs> Joe Rogan just won't seem to go away. No, he's not got much longer in him, I don't nah, think. Nah, definitely not. Guess uh, what, Zach? What? We've hit the second half of finale week. We are so close. By the end of this uh, podcast, we all know, but I want to keep... But we all know now we're at the final two. Yeah. Um, We've we've been through a, a an emotional journey to get to that final two. Mm. Uh, one of them, not a surprise at all. Absolutely not. Um, we now know who the winner will be. Yep. The other, that's, very surprising. That's what's kind of disappointing, to be honest, mm. is that you and I have committed so much time to this to this watching of MasterChef. We've loved every second, mm-hmm. like the rest of the country, as we watch mm. at you know seven o'clock on Channel Seven Thirty. No, I think it moved. It's going to move to seven thirty next year. Oh, okay. So whatever time. I, I think it. I think it's at seven. I think it's a half hour yeah. program at seven. I think seven. it's after neighbors. And then the big risk. They were like, "We believe in MasterChef so much, we're going to axe 
all of our primetime programming yeah. and make no, Master it is Chef. seven. You watch Stingray die at the end of Ramsey Street every at a barbecue. Night. Every night, <laughs> every night, we Stingray watch Stingray die. <laughs> every oh. <laughs> every That's night, the show. Yeah, every That's night. Now. Every night it's on Neighbours. Yes, at every night on Neighbours in two thousand and nine, we watch Stingray die at the end of Ramsey and Street during stings. a street barbecue. It stings every it time. Never cha- you'd never stop feeling that pain. Oh my god! And then after that, we watch Chris do something fucked up with a dead pig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And we love, we love Master Chef. We love mm. all the meat. Oh, it's on absolutely. I'm. Um, it's not. It. What I was saying is that I'm so glad that we committed so much time to this, only to get to the finale. Yeah. The final two, and know who's gonna win. I mean, it was, we should just say. I mean, it, everyone's watched it. Mm. I mean, there's no point like dragging out the drama. The final yeah. two, at the end of the episodes we're about to talk about is uh, Poe. Yep. Who will win? Who will win? And um, bless her heart, I cannot believe she made it this far, Julie. Yeah, we love Australia loves an underdog story. We love Julie. She's she's actually a very good cook. I'll I'll, I'll go that far. Especially like the last couple of weeks, I've seen her cook some really really great things. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that we can all agree that she's grown, mm. that she has yeah she's matured as a chef. Mm. Um, and sure. Who knows? Maybe she'll be lucky enough to, you know, be a guest host on Ready Steady Cook one day. Yeah. Or, hey, I don't know, maybe be the face of a, a, a clothing brand targeted at middle-aged women. Yeah. But she's not going to win MasterChef. No. She's against Poe turned noodles into cubes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, th- this that's is a the thing. feat. The one thing I would say is um, between... Uh, Shannon Knoll and who's the who was the other guy he was against the game ga- ga- Sebastian yeah I mean yeah Gian Sebastian Gian Sebastian yeah one yes right? but we all know that Shannon Knoll is the one with longevity yes um, it's been ten years and we love uh, Ride mm. and all the Shannon Knoll songs I haven't really heard from Gam Sebastian. No. And I can't imagine a scenario in 10 years where Gam Sebastian lives in a really big house and has a great successful career. It's no. going to be Shannon Knoll that's of doing course. that. Of course. Of um, course. Same thing. Oh, actually, no, neither. Yeah, no, Casey Donovan's still doing good. I mm. like Casey Donovan. I'm still waiting for the, all the original Big Brother contestants to really make their, their move on Australian television. Mm. Not one. Oh, Blair. Do you remember Blair? McDonough yeah, or whatever yeah, his name yeah, was. Yeah, he did that. a stint on Neighbours before Stingray Neighbors. died. Yeah. But then then Neighbours just committed. Yeah, and just was like nightly. We, we are going to kill Stingray. Every well what night. it is, I should say, I should say, I should be very clear, um, if people don't remember, like it is two thousand nineteen. <laughs> what happened for the year of two thousand and nine? Was it was Monday through Thursday was Stingray the Stingray Death episode, yeah. and then on Friday because you could only handle it once a week was Madge's death. Oh yeah, <laughs> Madge's death was that was hard. Friday night fish and chips and Madge's death. <laughs> it's a family tradition. It's what you do. Oh my God! When 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 Harold says goodbye to Madge. <laughs> 
every Friday night. I still feel the hole in my heart. It's a madge-sized hole. It's a madge-sized and hole. The, and every Friday it aches. It aches because every Because I watch Madge Friday. die every Friday. I can take Monday through Thursday Stingray at the barbecue dying. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. But Madge on a Friday night. Yeah. And I, I... Don't even get me started on Didge. Oh. Uh, Didge's death. Did she, Didge die? Yeah, Didge dies. Does she? I thought she just left. Is she already dead? Did, did, in 2009, is Didge dead? No, not yet. Oh, okay. She was there when Stingray died. Yeah, she was heartbroken because that was her mate. Well, because here's the thing for me, right? When Madge dies, I can't believe Didge died. Yeah, Didge I... dies in a forest. Like she, no, oh, no, that's... she doesn't. No. Okay, so Didge gets lost in a forest <laughs> after an accident. Oh, Didge. And she's pregnant. And oh, then dude. they find her and they're like, oh, she's going to be fine. And then they take her to the hospital. She births her child. And then she has a dream, which ends up being a premonition that she's going to die at 11 o'clock that day from unknown complications. The ebbs and flows of neighbours. It's um, How do they think of so many fucking weird ways to kill off characters I can't imagine. that want to move to London? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, Every time one of the actors is like, I think I'm going to try my hand in the UK, they're like, well, how are we going to kill you? I can't believe they killed Didge. Didge, for me, was always a moves to the big city kind of character. No, no, Didge dies. That's amazing. um, Everyone loved Didge. I loved, I had a big crush on Didge. Did you? Yeah, I had a crush on Didge. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Speaking of like, that's fair. No, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I realised this week, actually, that my first ever crush might have already discussed this with you, but my first ever crush, mm, ever. Ever. And we're talking like I would have been maybe eight. Yeah, yeah. Was Meatloaf in Rocky Horror. Yes. And I just it's I just remember being like eight years old and watching him. It's in nothing else. I don't find Meatloaf necessarily attractive. Not even no, I'm just gonna be like, I'm not even gonna try and be kind. I don't find Meatloaf attractive yeah. outside of Rocky Horror. But when he's Eddie he's singing doing, Hot Patootie. He's doing a thing. It's... I remember being eight years old and seeing him do that and just thinking, that one day that will be very sexy to me. And yeah. even now, when I watch it now, I'm like, yep. Yeah, I I have a thing. He lo- he's got a bit of a he's got a bit of a th- th- like a the guys you date vibe. Yeah, in that film. and I think it kind of set me up for, like you know, I like, I like, sexy dad bod boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get yeah. Yeah. My um, with eyeliner. With eyeliner. Mm. My yeah, like a faux yeah, like a and I guess the play Didge, Didge actually. That's a real through line for your type, isn't it? Yeah. Like, did you really set that up for Lo- you? Loved a bit of Didge. My, um, my, uh. <laughs> did you just check the time to see if maybe we need to make an edit? No, no, not at all. Okay. I made the edit in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Zach was about to be like, I would fuck the shit out of this. No, um. Uh, my big celebrity crush was uh, my first celebrity crush was Baby Spice. Oh yeah, that I think you can tell a lot that... about a man or a lesbian or a bisexual woman, or uh, people, other people on the gender spectrum attracted to women. <laughs> wow, this is progressive for two thousand and nine. <laughs> Um, that was full on. You can tell a lot about. You just said you just said a bunch of things I don't understand. Spectrum. <laughs> you can tell a lot about a person that's attracted to women by the um, Spice Girl that they liked or that they were drawn to. You can probably yeah. tell a lot about straight 
uh, like the people attracted to men by the Spice Girl, they were drawn to in a different way. Mm. But um, I liked Baby Spice. Yeah, I get that. Um, whenever we'd play Spice Girls in primary school, like because that was a game that groups of mm. you know primary school you girls played Baby play, Spice. I always got Baby Spice. Because... Oh no, Mish, we're gonna fuck now. <laughs> Oh, no. Now we have to fuck. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> now I have to have sex with my friend Zach. That's how it works, babe. <laughs> no, but I always got, because I was blonde and Caucasian. And let's be real, who would I play in a production of Rocky Horror Picture Show? You could play any of them, to, re- to be completely honest. Oh, that's nice. Everyone in Rocky Horror is hot. Is interchangeable. Like, watch it again. If you if you haven't watched Rocky Horror for a while, yeah. honestly... Every single character. Susan Sarandon really was like, oh my goodness me. I've recently found out that she was the first crush of a lot of my friends. Yeah, my goodness. Her and Rocky Horror. And everyone else is like, oh, Frankenfurter. And don't get me wrong, like Tim Curry in that film, wow. Yeah. But for some reason, meatloaf. Like you don't have to go, yeah. like. Oh, I'm not justified. I'm just, well, I am, but I'm just, I'm I'm not ashamed. Makes a lot of sense. So Frankenfurter is like a certain kind of sexy Mm. Um, like a owning your sexuality, sexy. But uh, I, but Frankenfurter is very attractive. Frankenfurter is sexy, but I think Frankenfurter on the same in the sa- if you if you're talking young, confused child mm. watching cult films, mm. Frankenfur like you don't have another you don't. There's no one else really putting down what the very specific thing that Meatloaf in that film is putting down. Like Meatloaf <laughs> is putting out like this like faux masculine masculinity that is as much of a costume as the drag of that film. Yeah. It's this like fun, playful, mm. fake version of masculinity that that admittedly now some men wear and think it's real masculinity and it's like, all right, chill out, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop going to the barber and thinking it's the same as hard labor. Um, but so though, though that, is, there's not a lot that's putting that out. The problem with Frankenfurter in terms of initial childhood crush mm. is he's up against, I think, David Bowie and Labyrinth. Yes. And that is just pure sex. That, that like, how that got ha- got into and a children's film. You don't think Frankenfurter is, well, it's not a, it's not a children's film. Rocky Horror no, is not a children's somehow film. Somehow kids but watch I would, it. But I would, I, would, I would argue that both Frankenfurter yeah. and the Goblin King in Labyrinth have the same level of raw androgynous sexual energy. Energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Except but, one but of them is in a child's film. <laughs> one of them is in a children's film yeah. and has that energy with a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah, which is disturbing. What a film. Amazing. Could you imagine if, if they couldn't do that Zach, film now? something just hit me. We're almost better at talking about film than we are about MasterChef. Yeah, almost. <laughs> Don't you reckon that's interesting? Yeah, maybe we should do a film-based podcast for our next one. I think that that's something we should consider. Slash probably already have considered. Oh, maybe there's something coming. Maybe there's something in the works of it. And we're going to pretend it's in 10 years, but it's actually maybe in a few weeks. Yeah, oh. Oh, get excited. Have a guess, a DM. Oh. What's a DM? It's 2009. Oh, send us a DM on um, Instagram. What's an Instagram? It's 2009. Zach, the quicker we finish uh, talking about what happened in the final three episodes of Finale Week. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm... these are the episodes before the big finale. Yeah. The sooner we finish talking about that, the sooner we will finish this episode of the podcast, which means we are one step closer to finishing talking about MasterChef 
season one Australia. I don't know how to subtly tell you this in a way that like we can continue the banter and pretend like um, this isn't, but I'm good till 10.30 now. I looked at the time, so Zach and I had both agreed that we would finish this up at 10 a.m. Um, it's very early, by the Can way. Can you believe this? Early. You might, You're listening to this any time of the day. That's the beauty of podcasts. It's not like breakfast radio. But Mish and Zach are recording this at fucking 9 a.m. Mm. Jesus Christ. So, But now we have more time. So you guys could be in for a really fucking long episode. But we'll try and keep it brief for you. Although finals week, very exciting. I could talk so, about. Yeah, I actually, like all jokes aside, I feel like I, I've genuinely been very much enjoying finale week. I, it's been, it's despite the fact that we know that Poe is going to win. Poe's going to win. And that we've been very aware of who the winner is, Poe, the entire finale week. Um, oh, look, there were a couple of challenges there. You know, before we saw them, I thought that um, Julia and Greg, Greg Norman, Norman, little girl and Greg Norman were going to come in and well, smash them. Because of that them. amazing advantage they had of being taken out of the show. Yeah, for the, that For the entirety of the advantage. show. And then when Julia was weeping, saying, I didn't even get to show them what I was capable of because they removed me from the show. I just went, well, you didn't take advantage of your clear advantage. <laughs> Stop crying. Stop crying. <laughs> you were, you, you, she was, she was in a kitchen. With being Pete tra- Evans. Being trained by a man that lost to an amateur. <laughs> Julia, stop being so self-centred. You got to cook in a kitchen with a man who thinks you should feed bone broth to newborns. Yes, That's... he didn't think it into it. We'll give you that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, but you ha- what an advantage. What you an got, advantage. You got to put sauce on plates at the end of a run oh in my a God. restaurant. What what a, uh, what a what an amazing yeah. thing. So, yeah, you might be crying going they didn't get to see... Um, what I'm capable of, yep, they didn't. <laughs> no. How lucky are you? <laughs> maybe what you're capable of is like working in a professional kitchen, devising menus, not having some fucked mm. cunt go, you got to do Malaysian now. Fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so should we start it? Yeah, off? man. What was it? Like, let's, let's, uh, let's. Um... So Poe got the advantage. Um, she was given so Poe won the Malaysian challenge because she picked it. <laughs> and Poe won the Malaysian challenge because the it challenge turns out dictated. in two thousand and nine the only people that know how to cook Malaysian food is Poe. And her family. And her family. Um so she won that challenge because she was basically told the episode before where your advantage is g- winning the next challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but so because she won, she got to see the recipe and she also got to see the dish that mm. all the contestants would be making in the next episode, um, which was really, really awesome uh, for what is it called? A pressure test? Yeah. Yeah. So for the pressure test. So when you're given a recipe, you're given a complicated dish and a recipe and you have mm. to cook it. Yeah. So she goes back to the house and everyone's like, Poe, what's the event? She's like being really coy about it. She's like, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. And then Chris is like, I can tell that Poe is very nervous and that maybe the advantage isn't as good as the advantage she got last time. It's like can't no no advantage is as good as the one she got last time. The one she got last time was literally Poe, you decide what happens in the episode. Poe, your advantage <laughs> is you're going to win the next episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's your advantage. So yeah, of course Poe's like, oh shit. 
I didn't get to cook Malaysian food again because no one else in this fucking competition has had to cook it. Anyway, once they're back, the pressure test, uh, back, back in the warehouse for the pressure test, they announce that there's going to be a fourth judge who's a guy named Bill Granger who's like a professional chef or whatever. Cook, I think, yeah. Yeah, cook. He looked like he, if, if you'd shown me a photo of him and asked me what he does for a living, he looks like an interior designer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just serious interior designer vibes. Maybe like a banker. I was going to say less interior designer, more like um, art director on a film set. Or like not mm. even that, like not even like. I reckon like... A, a TV f- interior designer, like one that would work on changing rooms. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember changing rooms? Yeah. Yeah. It was only, I think there's a version of it on right now. Oh, is there? Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I remember changing rooms from last Thursday. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then, so they talk about like, oh, how amazing is it that you're, you know, the final fucking four or whatever. Um, and then they're like, but now we've got a challenge. You thought the bush was hard. We all remember the bush. Mm. That was that that pyramid of circle cakes. Mm. We all remember the bush. It's changed the it changed water cooler conversations in offices across the country. Mm. People were talking about the crock and bush so much. Um, and they said, you thought that was hard. Why do you get a fucking load of this? You can't. Mm. And then they like to present the fucking recipe that you're going to cook. Welcome back. Adriana Zumbo, who is that guy who who is meant to be on television. Who is just so charismatic. Wow. You just can't shut him up. You can't. You the actually energy can't. That, that comes out of that just man. Just radiates from him. Yeah. The passion for pastry. And the passion for pussy. <laughs> <laughs> because uh. once again, my favourite thing I ever heard in 2019. Oh, what? You know what I mean. Um, was Ben Russell describing Adriana Zumbo as somebody who loves to eat pussy. And you really see it here. Like he, um, he there's just points where they're like, tell us how hard out of 10 this recipe yeah. is. And he's like, 10. Yeah. And you're like, oh, he's just thinking about pussy. pussy. <laughs> yeah. I can't look at it now without <laughs> thinking he just, just went down on someone. <laughs> like while he was out the back waiting with the cloche to come on screen and like present the mm. fucking cake. He was eating puss. <laughs> he like I feel like so so that they filmed that probably on a Monday. I reckon they filmed that on a Monday. And I reckon just based on the success of the Crock and Bush episode, he was doing a recce down in Melbourne to see if there was a possibility of of maybe opening some stores in Melbourne. Mm. And I reckon on the Sunday night before he came back, he had to fly up Monday morning to shoot that episode. I reckon he hit up seven nightclubs. Yeah. He found himself the most beautiful girl. Yeah. He said, I make pastries. She was drawn to him. Yeah. They went back to his hotel and he ate her pussy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Do you know seven nightclub? I feel like Absolutely. you would know. Yeah. <laughs> Private school girl. You yeah. were seven night yeah. club. Seven night club was where you used your fake IDs. I never had a fake ID. <clears throat> That's the truth. Just mm. because I'm, no, yeah, because like I I like rules, um, but I do. I have been to seven night club before. They have a cage in oh the middle God. of the nightclub, and you can go into the cage and dance in the cage. It's under like an office building from memory. It's just this yeah. weird, it's like down a street in South Melbourne. It's under an office building. Mm. I've been once. I went once because I studied at Ballarat. Mm. I grew up in the Latrobe Valley. So I only knew like country pubs, mm. country bars. Like country bars are so funny. Mm. We had a place in the Latrobe Valley they called They were Inferno, such a novelty for me. Inferno. And then like, yeah, they were great. And then I got a job at a cinema 
one day I'll get a job at a cinema mm. in South Yarra. So everyone that works there will be like private school kids. Mm. So it will only be at the age of like 23 yeah. in the future where I will be exposed to your world, which is like seven nightclub. And what's the Don't, one? Can you not refer to it as my world? You have known me. You were forged in the fires. You have known me for over 10 years and you think that's what you think of me. No. My friend Mish loves Seven (laughs) Nightclub and hooking up with pastry chefs. My friend Mish somehow came out of the world of Seven Nightclub as a fully rounded human. (laughs) That's what I think of you. I think, wow, I liked, look, I loved, I have a lot of friends that went to Seven Night Club. Matthew Bennett, he's a good friend of mine, That he's the Seven Night Club type. <laughs> Tim and Louise, they're lovely, they're the Seven Night Club type. You types. don't know me at all. I said, do you know Seven Night Club and you described <laughs> its interior. <laughs> What's the one? What's the one off Chapel Street? I don't know. It's on Gravel Road. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little two-story, two-story yep. bluestone building. I have no idea. You know that place, Mish. <laughs> no, I don't. You do. It's off. It's off. It's on Gravel Street, and it's also the. Seven I know exactly club. which one you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, that one. I um, I went to that club once, and this was okay. Okay, so, <laughs> um. I had a lot of friends that loved clubbing. Yeah. I was never into it. Yeah, no, I know that. But I have a group of friends that I went to high school with that love a club. (laughs) And when I was about 20 years old, I went to that exact nightclub. And I know which one they have like fake ivy on the walls and stuff. And a lot of places to take MySpace photos or whatever. Um, Those those are the sort of places that go around, that go around. They have a ph- professional photographer mm. with like that, that fish cami lens. Yes. And they only photograph the hot girls. Yes. And um, then upload them as albums on Facebook. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. That's exactly the kind of place. And I just remember I have this distinct memory. It's my own. I only went there once because, as hard as it is for Zach to believe, I don't actually, I never really enjoyed the you, clubbing. You, no, scene. but I, no, no, I don't think you enjoy it. I think, like me with my village cinemas days, you you brushed against that world. Yes, that's fair. You know that world. Yeah. In the same way that like, so I know I've been to each of them once. I've been to Seven once. I've been to that place once. I've been to like uh, Bang Bang, that three-story yeah. one once. Mm. I've been to each of the private school clubs once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, go on, you were going to say. Um, so I went up to this place and we drank a lot of like cranberry vodkas and stuff like that. That was like the drink. And then um. I wanted to go home because I think I had work at the supermarket <laughs> the next day. Uh-huh. And um, uh, this girl who was introduced, she was literally, int- this is so fucked, but this is literally how she was introduced to me. They were like, we'll just call her Tammy because I think that's her name. <laughs> and, um, they were like, Mish, this is Tammy. Tammy's dad has like a lot of money. And like was like Tammy's dad owns Total Tools or something like that. It's not Total Tools, but she's rich. And I was like, oh, hi, Tammy, you're rich. And she was like, I'll drive you home, babe. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was a pretty, I was probably 19 years old at this point. And then we went down to her car and she drove like a Beamer. She drove the most incredible car I'd ever seen. She was 19, maybe 20. And she, she was fucking gorgeous, like stunning. These are, these are my people, you see. And I got into this car and before she was like, okay, so I'm going to drive home. She's like, sorry, I just need a quick pick-me-up. She racked a line 
of so her dash, of her so beamer, funny. and I just sat there and I was just like, oh, yeah, that's cool, Tammy. But inside, I'm like, get me the fuck out of the car. I don't know how to deal with this. It's the but most... it was the most confronting thing I'd ever seen at that point. That tells you how not into the clubbing scene I was. I um, My one time at that club, I distinctly remember. Did you just... rack a line with Tammy? No. <laughs> No, I didn't. But I remember looking around and going, this is the only place I've ever been to where, like, you have to put a... You can't say there's one median age. Mm. There was a median age for the girls and a median age for the guys. Absolutely. All the girls at that club were, I would say, a median age 17. Like under yeah. eighteen, there was like I would say like there, it was they were so young. I was I like twenty three. I would have been eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. When I so was like there. all the girls there, I would say median age. So it was kind of between fifteen and twenty mm-hmm. with with fake IDs. I hear a lot of like Melbourne kids had fake IDs. Like yeah, crazy. Oh, that was a thing. That yeah, was like because um, we didn't in the country. Mm. We just sat in a circle <laughs> around a fire and <laughs> drank pure bourbon. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that so, was a no. There was always a girl in our high school that dated a guy that did that. Do you know what I mean? So you'd go to his house once every six months and watch it happen and be like, wow, what a novelty. And because I was indie or boho, I didn't know what boho meant, but I, I knew that I was more boho than I was clubby. I really loved those parties. I love it. I just love to talk to my friends. Yeah. Um, so we sat at a, but like, so I remember just being like, okay, so the median age of girls here is like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. The median age of guys is like 32, Five. 35. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the girls were wearing the little dresses and the guy's outfit was Bandage like. Bandage dresses for anyone who's out there. They were the fucking race. Is that what they were called? The where ones it's that like, are made up of a lot of different strips. Oh, right. And they're yeah. skin tight and it's, really short. It's sort of that thing of like it, it, fashions come and go and change. Yeah. But like. The idea of a of a dress that covers that's a dress, but it like that that doesn't change mm. for like eighteen year old girls that go no, to these it clubs. Looks Just like the when you're not wearing changes. it, it looks like a tube. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Exactly. If, you know, if you've got it off your body, it's like a floppy tube. It's a floppy tube. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the guys, the guys were all like middle management. And they would, they, a lot of them were wearing suits, but they took off their tie from work. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them were wearing like bright pants and like nice shirts, yeah. but a lot of them were wearing suits from work and just like it, like all, like just so much cocaine would have been so, happening. Yeah. It's like the, the, the men, the 35 year old men were all cocaine Yep, and like the, the, 16 year old girls were all vodka and it's like mm-hmm. I worked for a very short time at a at a bar um as a bussy and I wasn't cool enough so they let me go and um often when I'm in places like that I can't get past the idea of all right what does the vomit that I would have to clean up look like oh. and a place like that and girls like that I'm just like it's it's a clear clear liquid w- uh, with some bile and a few pieces of chicken. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> because yeah. it's like, you have to eat something. <laughs> if you're going to drink, babe, you have to eat something. All right, I'll eat some chicken. But the rest is just vodka. Vodka, <laughs> bile, and three unchewed pieces of chicken, and that will stay with me for the rest of my life. Oh, God. I have not thought back to that. 
at all, that weird little stint I That's had. That's because it's in the future. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it was a year ago. Yeah. Um, um, uh, can I just also make a quick statement? It's almost like you and I are better at having just a back and forth banter conversation than we are talking about MasterChef. The irony level, the irony approach gave us some gold for two episodes. Yeah, it really did. But imagine if we could have just been like, oh, I had to binge three episodes on 10 play. Yeah. The gold that could have come out of that. <laughs> but no, George is a socialist. Anyway, and it's 2009. What, so um, Zumbo's back. He ate some puss. And he, um, he's the guy who made the crock and bush and that panna cotta that had the passion fruit slick. Yeah. And um, uh, the remember. cake was like layered. It was a layered. So the cake looked very normal. They're like, well, that doesn't look that hard. And then Poe was like, wait for it. And then they cut it and it was like actually 17 layers yeah. of cake. Think like in 2020, think like a cake from Brunetti's. <laughs> That's what it looked like, really. My My big thing is, right, because I didn't live in the city and I don't live in the city right mm. right now. So by the time I moved to the city, mm. places like Zumbo's and uh, Darren Perches one day will be a big thing. Mm-hmm. And the sorts of cakes they sell will be the sorts of cakes they made on MasterChef. Mm-hmm. Chicken and the egg. Was Zumbo making cakes with 17 layers in them for his customers or did he create that type of cake to be a difficult challenge on MasterChef and then people wanted to try it? I I feel like he was a niche cake business, so he would be making those cakes for people so, to buy, but a very, very specific upper echelon of society yeah. is my guess. So people were buying The people cakes who went to the clubs. But I the, just the, girls that that went to the girls who drank vodka at the clubs, yeah. their parents are buying Zumbo's cakes. But like the sort of cake where you need to make sure it's chilled just right and the knife is hot enough or else it becomes a puddle, mm. you think he was making that before MasterChef? Or do you think he was making something like that? I don't know. Maybe one day you'll live above him, above his business and you can ask him. Yeah, because he'll be selling it then. He'll yeah. be selling it. It'll be like you can buy the V8 from mm-hmm. season two of MasterChef. Maybe Chef. he had amazing hind... Like maybe he could see into the future and go, I reckon I could have a very successful business. complicated cake business. Mm. So salt, salt in caramel is apparently something that he does. And I, We've I'd seen see that, that previously Have as well. We? Yeah, we saw a bit of flaked salt and some caramel. I don't see that taken off. Oh, yeah, because we talked about caramello koalas. Yeah. All right, great. I thought this was the episode that introduced salted caramel to Australia. No, no, no. So that I had earlier. a whole bit prepared people, for that, people but we've already were, done it. No, we've done it. Um, but so basically the cake was a chocolate caramel and apple cake, really. It did look very yummy. It looked very wet. Yeah, there was so many layers. Yeah, it was it was just a really moist dish. Like there was no cake in it either. No, not really. It was all mousse and the bottom was like a cookie. Mm. And then just wet ingredients and but they all had to be at a certain temp- temperature so that the wet ingredients didn't splush out everywhere. Mm. It was it just seemed weird. Also, we get introduced to something called tempering chocolate, which I feel will be a very very a difficult thing in MasterChef for at least three years. Yeah, they're going to really And then there's going to be a certain point where tempering chocolate's fucking nothing to those cunts. <laughs> it's just going to be like, so I'm going to temper some chocolate. But for the first three years of MasterChef, it's going to be a real indicator of who's a good chef and who's not, is a person who can temper chocolate. I think the editors of this show got to work really hard to learn how to build up drama. Because right now... <laughs> Right now, the the people on this show do fuck up a lot, but they need to learn how to emphasise that because I worry that there might be a time one day where they do a best of series where they bring back 
um, people that were on the show and then became professional chefs for 10 years. Mm. And they are very good at everything and they're very calm and keep clean workstations. Yeah. And they'll have to create drama. Yeah. Like, um, so like, I think they're going to have to get good at that. Just yeah. like. <laughs> Probably. Um, uh, Zimbabwe, they, they asked somebody to give a word of advice and he said, keep your head down and go hard. Um, because which, he loves the pussy. Because he loves the pussy. I also wrote down, keep your head down and go hard because it, it sounds like he's talking about cunnilingus. Mm, it does. And we've established already that he's got the face of a guy who loves it. Zumbo loves nothing more than going to Seven Nightclub um, and eating puss. This might be a bit late in the game to bring this up. Why, why the fuck not? But why not? Um, the consistency of the judges helping out the contestants is all over the shop. Oh, my God. Like, sometimes they'll go and they'll stand over one of the contestants who's obviously fucking something up, and they'll just be like, so, what's this then? And they'll be like, I don't know, I'm, I'm flailing, I'm freaking out, I don't, I've done something wrong, oh, I've added too much liquid, oh, I've added too much flour. And they'll just kind of go, hmm, okay then, well, you better fix that. And they'll glare at them and walk off. Sometimes they'll come over and they'll be like, don't you think maybe that needs a little bit of extra sugar? Or something like that. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, maybe, thanks. And then sometimes they go around the other side of the fucking, where, what are they, on stations, and literally do it for them. And they're so inconsistent about it. And it's just like, I, I don't understand why. I don't understand why. It's amazing. Like, yeah, Julie, because like, there's that point, like, you don't know. And I think that, like, like, I'm a big fan of Julie's reaction to that now. She's just decided to block it all out. Yes. So, like, because sometimes they come and do it to, like, cr to freak them out. Mm. So they're like, do you think maybe your caramel is a little, um, and it was, you could tell it was genuine. They're like, that caramel looks a little light. And they're like, oh, bugger off, bugger <laughs> off. I'm just going to do it. Bugger off, George and Gary. Well, probably like, No, no, he... genuinely they're like, maybe you should push that, that caramel a little further, like make burn it a yeah. little bit more. And she's like, bugger off, I'll do what I want. Well, but considering the inconsistencies of their help, it's a very good chance that they literally just made Poe's caramel for her <laughs> five <laughs> minutes earlier. Well, so Julie's like, fuck off, Gary, you never helped me. Admittedly, the person that lost this episode lost it because their biscuit base was too big. And then earlier that episode, we'll see them telling Chris, you need to remake that biscuit yes! base. It's too big. Exactly. It was fucked. That anyway. biscuit base is too big. Make another one. And then someone loses for the same thing. Um, Very funny. My my other thing that I really love is, um, we've talked about it, is the yelling down from, from above. From the gantry, yeah. yeah. we've talked about that so a lot. So good. Um, Chris described his caramel as beautiful, beautiful, really interesting. Those were the three words he could think of. Yeah. When he, when he was taken off by the producers, like, can just describe how your caramel's looking. He went, oh, it's looking beautiful, beautiful. Really they also they also got a blast chiller for the first ever time. They're like, we've got a new piece of equipment. Yeah. It's a blast chiller. And outrageous, like a blast chiller. What's like, amazing is now I didn't know what a blast chiller was until this point. Yeah. Because it's 2009. Yeah. But when Julie was like cooling her pie mix outside yeah. like two episodes ago, yeah. I was like, why doesn't she just put it in the blast chiller? <laughs> so they've gotten in a blast chiller, which is essentially a freezer that works it around. I don't know. I it mean, just blast chills it. Yeah, it chills exactly. it really it fast. Real cold, real fast. So like this, so the equivalent, I think, of a of a of a uh, of like a industrial oven. It's an industrial freezer. It just chills yeah. it. Yeah. Um. So I have a feeling that if MasterChef goes on for I don't know ten years, they'll use the blast chiller so much. So well, it much makes a lot of. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since. It does, but it'll also make if, you're, if you don't own a blast chiller in your own home, it'll make the food that they're cooking seem almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because they're just like, oh, so it's really easy to do this. All you need to do is make a caramel disc, add some apples, and then chuck it in your blast chiller. It's like, we don't, it's like when they're like, all you need is a pizza oven. That's true. Yeah, it's like we don't all have that shit. But admittedly, the thing about MasterChef is, um, like, if you're going to make, so, like, you don't have to make something in 75 minutes. Mm. You can you can take the day if you need mm-hmm. it. Um, it made me realise that maybe it, the pie challenge, if they had to, like, slow cook things, then cool it without the aid of a blast mm. chiller, then put it in a pastry without the pastry going fuck, mm-hmm. then cook it. Yep. Maybe it wasn't so much them being fuck cunts, but that's actually not possible to do in two hours. Yeah. Like it takes an hour and a half for for a stew to cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd realise that maybe they maybe if they had that blast chiller two days ago <laughs> their pies <laughs> wouldn't have been as fucked. Maybe. Very funny. Anyway, it's go very on. Funny. Um, so basically, like, I don't know, they, there's there's macaroonies. Macaronis on, on the, the side, side of the cake. Yeah. I just, just wanted to, you know. I didn't know. Like, I mustn't have really been paying attention because I was just like, I didn't see any of them making the macaroons. I'm just like, no, oh, they didn't. Ma- there yeah, was they no one making there. them. Suddenly, like, it was like that was the biggest challenge of mm. the last thing and suddenly they're just, they're making macaroons. Yeah, that was weird. Um, so when it comes down to it, like, and they finished their cakes, they had three hours to cook this fucking cake. Um, Chris's looks fucking good. Mm. Like Chris's cake looks like Zumbo's cake did. He said better, he, better than Zumbo's cake. T- yes. Because Zumbo's turned into a puddle, whereas yes. he's actually cut into a slice. Yeah. yeah. And um, he's like, I feel like a million bucks. And Matt described the cake as exhilarating. Mm. Um, Justine's cake, so she, her base was too thick, right? Mm. It, and it was. Like the base of her cake was like half the cake. Mm. Poor thing. Poor Justine. Um, and so it's a very kind of clear at that point that. Looks like Justine's we might have to say goodbye home. to Justine. And Justine says that she pictures a bistro in her f- future. I don't picture a bistro for Justine. What do you picture for Justine? Like oh, a 25-minute television show on Channel 10 at 3.30. Yeah, wow. I reckon, why not? She's... Where she's the kind where she teaches middle-aged people how to cook chicken skewers. I mean, she's she's uh, nice. She's charismatic. Yeah. She's uh, pretty. Yeah. She's um, she a could good teach. Cook. She would just teach boomers how to make a tzatziki. You know, what I, I think mean? that makes a lot of sense for mm. her future. But I think I think um, I think she's going to train under Matt Moran, and I think she's going to open that bistro. Do you reckon? I yeah. Think, so just I think in, she's in it for the long for haul. I think she's have, in it for the food career. For those of you who are genuinely invested in the storyline of this fucking season of MasterChef, Justine. Kicked out, so she made top four, but she doesn't make top three. But when they return back home to mm. see her, Matt Moran rocks up at her front door. And can I say, can I say go ahead. on Matt Moran? Because Matt Moran shows up and you probably want to say what he said to her. No, go ahead. But we don't see Matt Moran first. We see 
a pair of um, a loose fitting frayed at the bottom, fashionably frayed at the bottom mm-hmm. jeans and a pair of pointy black dress shoes yeah. because this guy in 2009 is at the forefront of Sydney style. Yeah, and a, and a thigh length leather jacket. Thigh length leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. Um, sort of jeans that... That they're not bell bottom. They they're just sort of tight at the knees and tapered at the ankles, yep. frayed and just really nice dress shoes. Those that and and the way they show him coming walking down the street. Julie's seeing her family. She's going right, and then it's like wait, and then we hear the steps and we see the bottom of the tapered jeans. <laughs> we see the dress shoes and what's we go, going on? Someone with money class and style is walking <laughs> down that street. Yeah. And then they pan up behind him. Oh my god. And you just see this shiny bald head. Oh my fresh, god. Fresh fresh shave. My god. Yeah. I have the to say the sun beaming off the back of his little head. I there's a lot of like I look back at some of my photos and some of the clothes I own and what I wear and I was not fashionable and I didn't prioritize fashion and I was smelly because I didn't wash my clothes. But I I often like really beat myself up about how I used to dress because um, I'm like, why would I wear dress shoes and jeans to see that it was like, oh, because that was, is That's in what, how fashion. To dress. That was, that wasn't me just being a clueless 19 year old. Mm. That was, that was what a rich, ri- a wealthy chef and business fashion. owner would wear. My goodness me. So he comes over and he, what does he say? Were you going to say something other than the jeans and dress shoes? No, just that he offers her a job. What does he say to her? He goes, um, I'll give you a job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you a job. So she's got a job as uh, what? A fucking like just until he's, while he's still at Aria, she's going to learn how to Apprentice cook. Apprentice or whatever. And, uh, and I think she's going to be all right. I think she's going to um, learn how to cook and I think she's going to open that bistro. I look forward it's to a it. hard life being a chef. It would be much easier to make tzatziki on a film set, mm. bash out five episodes a day. But Justine's ready for a challenge. I just see her. Um, like I, th- I think George said it once that she has the face for television. Yes. Yeah, which is important when it comes to cooking. They all cried. They all there cried. There was so much, so many tears. They genuinely like it was very, like it was very moving. Well, what happened was Matt was like, "I think you've got a real future. I'm sorry to see you go," and I was like, "This is genuinely beautiful to see these these um, these judges care, mm. and they genuinely like want them to do well, and they've gotten rid of the ones they hate, and now these are four people that they genuinely respect and want." to be in the industry. Mm. It's like I never expected to see a show where the judges genuinely cry. And Matt cried and it was beautiful. Mm. And they then, did do that thing though, that very 2009 man crying thing, or just like, not even 2009, just like where th- there was, especially Gary was just so ashamed that he well, was brought to tears. That's what I was going to say is because then George was like, um, like I think he says something like, um, you know, I can't, you know, I'm a man, I'm a straight man. I can't believe I'm crying, but he cries and he says something really genuine. And then Gary goes, I've never cried in my life, but I'm crying now. And I'm like, I don't see any tears. <laughs> <laughs> this is the idea of a man crying. crying. Like, there was I'm a crying lot of, there was now. like, there was punching of the table <laughs> and trying to try and control himself. And like, and just, just a lot just of like, like, I never cry. I never cry. Yeah. I can't believe I'm crying. I can't believe yeah, I'm crying. There was so much of that. But then Matt was beautiful. Matt was just yeah. like crying. Matt yeah. was like, sorry, see you go, man. 
But then what was also great was that interior designer chef that they brought on as the fourth Bill one. Was just sitting there, just like, uh, oh, your, your cake was the worst, mate. You got to get out of here. Could you imagine Dicko crying at the end of like, like, sorry to see you go, fucking Axel Rose. <laughs> just Mark Holden, just weeping. <laughs> but yeah, this fourth judge was just like, the fuck's going on? Like, she's just like, your cake was shit. <laughs> You gotta go. I also <laughs> love the idea that Zumbo is they brought Zumbo on to produce his cake and watch them, but were aware enough of his lack of personality that they had someone else come and judge how well they did Zumbo's yeah. cake. Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> that yeah, I, I noted that. That was very funny. Um, but like, I mean, very smart. The stupidest thing anyone could possibly do is think that he's the key to this show's success, poach him and make a show all about Zumbo. <laughs> yeah. Like a mystical, exactly. a mystical Willy Wonka type show. Welcome to my Zumbo land of fun. I'm going to make so much fun. <laughs> what I really love about desserts is the colour. <laughs> Come with me, me and, and you'll, you'll see a world of pure... Ama- G'day, I'm Zumbo. <laughs> Um, I think when it comes to cooking dessert, you need to think about whimsical elements. And welcome to Zumbo's magical land of macarons. This macaron is a 10 out of 10 difficulty rating. (laughs) If you like sweets and treats, Channel 7's here for you. We've got Zumbo from MasterChef. Zumbo. The colour of that caramel is a bit light. Zumbo is a magical man. Australia's real life equivalent of Willy Wonka. Zumbo, the magical man. Welcome, Zumbo. How are you? I can't. Um, I think that you need to make sure you're tempering the chocolate before you put it on the cake. Zumbo! Zumbo! <laughs> This is so funny. <laughs> is his show still going? No. No, it lasted like, what, two seasons maybe? Yes. Um, okay, so we're going to skip the first half of the next episode because it was literally like a, where, like, where did they come from? Like, Julie, Chris and Poe's backstory. Like, let's just not. No, yeah, I, I did have an idea. their journey through the show. I and did, uh, yeah. Rewatching it again, it was like watching it for the third time. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care that Chris loves meat. Loves meat. I don't care anymore. Oh, it's so funny. It was that was painful. Like when that came on, I was like, I can't watch a recap. I can't do a recap of a show that I've recapped and watch a recap. I can't. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much. So can we please skip that? Yeah, I thought it. Oh. Could, I thought it could be fun at some point to just talk, talk about like we should maybe in the next podcast for the finale if we have time, like do our own version of like looking back and yes. looking at the characters. Like that inspired me. But admittedly, half an hour, an hour and a half long episode, half an hour of which was recapping MasterChef. <laughs> it was just too meta. It was too much. But um, um it was good to see though. It was good to see like I'm a big fan of the um of that like um TV special thing and it had um uh, Sarah sort of really stepping up and going, hi, I'm Sarah. I'm the host yeah. of this show. Out the We're front gonna... of the warehouse? Yeah, out the front of the warehouse. Hi, guys. Wow, what a journey we've been on. <laughs> hi, guys. Wow, three months, one kitchen, 
20 contestants, one winner. <laughs> it reminded me of those like half hour specials where it's like, hi, I'm a magician. And by the end of this episode, I'm going to make the Rialto Tower disappear. <laughs> but first, let's look at my journey to working out how to make the Rialto Tower disappear. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> that exactly vibe. what it was like. Um, and I love that genre and, and, and it's not done enough anymore. I mean, even now in 2009. Mm. Uh, yeah, so we can skip that. Great. So the final three go back into the warehouse and they're told, oh, you've got another challenge and what's it going to be about? And welcome our fourth judge, which is Donna Hay. Mm. Now, Donna Hay is actually quite well known in 2009 because she's the one who does the Donna Hay magazine. She does the Donna Hay magazine. And she has all those books. She has a lot of cookbooks. She does. Um, if you're um, in a doctor's, if you're wait, in a waiting room at a doctor's, um, like having a doctor's appointment or a, a dentist, those are the magazines you're reading. A Donna Hay ones. She wrote those. She also, yeah. I, it's amazing. Think Donna Hay is a person. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? Because um, I just think Donna Hay is a brand. It's mm. like that McDonald's was once. Mm. You know the McDonald's brothers. I also remember really clearly when she was first introduced through MasterChef. Because okay, it's like we're just doing the 2020 thing right now. When she was first brought into MasterChef, it's a shame. That's a shame. I'm sorry, I'm to, I'm sorry to break it. <laughs> um, when she was first introduced to MasterChef back in 2009 um, and when MasterChef was fucking exploding, um, I remember people saying that she was quite cold and that ah. she was a bitch and that they were like, Donna Hay like reveals like like this isn't the real Donna Hay. I just remember there being this big thing about Donna Hay being just a bitch. Really? And then watching it in 2020, you're like, no, she's a, just a professional woman. <laughs> Who yeah. has an empire that she needs to? She's very professional and she talks about her skills. Yeah, but not like that, Matt Moran. He's warm. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> not like all those <laughs> those really warm male chefs. I just remember that. Like, that that was just something. I that, can't believe people said that. That's so funny. Yeah, they were like Donna Hay um, is a like. I just remember being like Donna Hay is a bitch in wow. the culinary industry. Donna Hay is the bitch. And then I just watched it in 2020 and just being like. No, she's not. I can't. <laughs> that's so she's funny. She's not. But I just thought that was a bit of an interesting thing. Because she anyway. was like, um, you need to make sure your food looks good. Presentation is important. Mm. Um, what a bitch. <laughs> yeah, what a bitch. Or she would just be like, everything on this plate is brown. That's very hard to photograph. What a fucking bitch. What a cynical bitch. Yeah, whereas if Matt Moran had said everything on this plate is brown and that's a very hard thing to photograph, they'd be like, Wow. <laughs> Yeah, he's so insightful. I would never have thought to see that. Anyway, <laughs> doo -doo, back to 2009. Doo -doo, doo -doo. Um, so back to, to yeah, so that Donna Hay was a bit of a bitch. Such yeah? a bitch. <laughs> Who does she think she is just coming in and criticising their food? I always thought she was like just doing warm, homely food, but it turns out it's all about the presentation. Bitch. Yeah, yeah she's a bitch. <laughs> like, you, like I understand, like, you do um, food, you're, the food you make is for print mm. so that it has to look good for print. But how, and even though the contestants are aware that that's what the challenge is, mm -hmm. how dare you pull them up on it oh, if they're man. doing it wrong? And I don't Who think do she think ever really are, did pull bitch. them up on it. They just asked her about presentation or the difficulties of certain cuisine. Yeah. Bitch. Such a bitch. Um, George used the term food porn. Yeah, interesting. Um, and it was weird my reaction to him saying food porn because we all love George because he's a socialist and a kind man. Mm. Um. But for some reason, when he said the word porn or food porn, like my vagina went numb. Yeah, right. 
like I got a hard on. No, I got a I got, raging hard on. No, for I George. didn't. My vagina went super numb. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I had this feeling like I don't want ever, anyone to ever touch me again. Because mm, of food pornography being said by him. Mm. I don't know what it was. It was weird. It was like. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It could be anything. So we should just talk briefly about what each person did. Um, the, basically the challenge was what is your cookbook? What are the three things you would put in your cookbook? Um, and what was it? It was, uh, Julie was like nice home cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, meat guy was meat. Mm-hmm. And Pose was some, a book she called Food from Mars. Yeah. Because uh, she likes to use interesting ingredients and yeah. like, like century eggs. And like and George, George was like, "Oh, gross! Mm. This is yeah. gross." Like that was another thing. It's like Gary and George, you are professional chefs. Yeah. And Poe is cooking traditional, like some traditional dishes, Malaysian dishes, Malaysian yeah. dishes, and they're just like, "Oh, ew, yucky! Oh, an old egg, ewy!" It's like George. The next episode, you made lamb's brain cereal, <laughs> but for some reason. Poe cooking a century egg made you want to vomit. It just, it was, that was just a bit. I don't know if they were trying to play up the um, drama of like, will it work? Yes, it did. Yeah, probably. But or also... if they were just being racist. Yeah, there seemed like a bit of like <laughs> cultural insensitivity there. It just seemed. But then Donna Hay was like, this is, the, you know, some of these ingredients, if you're doing a cookbook, it's hard to get some of these ingredients. It might not quite work in a cookbook. But she's a bitch. <laughs> Fucking bitch. The way she was like, look, my issue is for a wide release cookbook, you probably can't do ingredients that are hard to access where some of these people are buying these cookbooks. Bitch. What a bitch. But then George was like, yucky, gross, yucky food from China. But Zach, he's a professional chef (laughs) and he's a judge on the show. That's a fair statement. Donna Hay saying that might be difficult to obtain for a photo shoot. Fucking bitch. <laughs> Fucking bitch, man. Um, anyway, Chris does a lot of meat. Quail, trotters, beef cheeks. All Although he made, he put trotters. So he also singed the hair of the trotters with a fucking, mm. what are they called? Those fire things. Mm. I don't know, a singer. Mm. That was a bit disturbing. But he put the trotters in one pressure cooker. Loves a pressure cooker. Put the beef cheeks in another pressure cooker. Because you've got to make three different dishes, right? Three, two. Three. Three. And then just added the same ingredients into the beef cheeks as he did the trotters. He was like, so to the trotters I've added carrot, onion, celery, thyme, and some red wine. And then over at the beef cheek station I've added thyme, red wine, carrots, and a bit of onion. Like he made the same dish with two different types the, of meat. The thing I, I also want to say is I um, – I, I'm watching this show in 2009 and going, wow, he is doing some crazy things. This nose to tail that he's invented is phenomenal. These ingredients that he's uh, highlighting are amazing. These recipes that he's doing are phenomenal. I would hope that this show doesn't turn me into a foodie. So I then read about some of the people that he is inspired by and realize that and then go to some of the restaurants that he's inspired by and realise that Pedro Zimenez's uh, beef cheek with a cauliflower puree is just a recipe from a restaurant in Melbourne. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That I've eaten. 
And then he just clearly just remembered the recipe from from the Movita recipe book. That's so funny. Um. Oh. Yeah, and like the highlighting bone marrow is just definitely a suggestion. Well, I mean, in all fairness, though, this is where they learn their shit. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, Poe does it as well. Poe, like, there's nothing funnier than when they had a Malaysian judge on that time that they brought on the Malaysian judge, Mm. and Poe was just like, "Oh fuck." Finally, a judge that's going to see I've just been doing my mum's home cooking. Yeah. <laughs> like, they'll go, they'll go at like Julie for doing home cooking. Yeah. And then, and then they're like, Poe, this is fucking sick, man. Yeah, it's like, thanks, man. But it's like, <laughs> mum made that for her last it's week. It's the same. Yeah. She's doing the same thing as Julie. They just th- didn't grow up with it. Mm. And, um, but I can't imagine a scenario where there'll ever be an Asian Australian judge who's able to identify those sorts of things on MasterChef. Uh, it happens. <laughs> uh, it happens. And Poe's po- gonna be fucked. <laughs> nah, she's gonna be fine. She's gonna be doing cakes at that point. Yeah, no, she'll be good by then. Yeah. Um, uh, Julie makes a stuffed chicken, a rolled lamb, and a chocolate cake. Now, we'll skip through the whole like them cooking and stuff. It's all very nice, whatever. What's remarkable now is that Julie doesn't complete her dishes. Mm. We haven't seen this really on MasterChef before. No, we never really so have. I, I don't know if we described it properly. What they're meant to do is three dishes that can then be photographed for a book. Yeah. So that's why Donna Hay is there, that fucking bitch. <laughs> is so they have to make food that not only tastes really good. But looks but good. But looks good for a, uh, the, the recipe book that they, because they get a book deal out. If they and that's what they say they book all the way up until yeah. that point. Yeah, that's in the... That's in the edit. Yeah. Because they could have chosen the My cut heart that. broke for Julie because I was like, okay, this is her time to go now. Mm. Because she did not complete her dishes. One of them was a little pile of mashed potato with a lamb roll that had un- like had started to, you know, come undone. The roll had gone, it was like flattening mm. out. The other was a chicken dish that looked fine. And the other, she didn't complete her dessert, so it was just a thin slice of chocolate cake. Mm. Right? And I just went, oh, and Julie knew it. She started to cry. She's like, I'm going home. Julie Goodwin is going home. She made the top three. Fucking good effort. Bang on. The rightful two, Chris and Poe, are going to go through to the final two because they completed their dishes and they both look great. Then what they did was they got the three, they tried all the dishes and stuff. They got the three, the final three, Chris, Poe and Julie, that stand in front of them after the tasting. And they said, can you please explain to us what your cookbook would be about? And Poe's like, oh, mine would be called Food from Mars and it would be these really interesting dishes um, that are really easy to make if you've got the right ingredients and encouraging people to use different things in the kitchen. Mad concept. Chris is like, mine would be, what was it he said, like trotter to tail, stout to ale or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, snout to tail, trotter to ale, I don't something like that. And, that. and he was like, well, you use the entire animal and like, you know, also beer. I love beer. So there's a lot of animals, a lot of beer, love meat and beer. And they're like, yeah, that's a pretty good concept. Then they go to Julie, who clearly is going to go home because she didn't do the dishes. Yeah, she didn't finish the dishes. And she says, I would make a cookbook called Our Family Table. It would have a lot of family recipes in it. Um, I would use my past, like my my family growing up, recipes from them, recipes I've now made for my children. And then I would leave a, a chapter blank at the end where whoever purchased the book could then add their own recipes into that, which is an amazing concept, right? And if I thought for a second that this show was about making money 
over actual talent and ability to cook, I would think that maybe Julie should win <laughs> because obviously that is the most marketable, marketable concept for a cookbook in mm. 2009. A home cook mum writes recipes that are really easy to make that aren't scary or from Mars because using a century egg is intimidating. Turning a noodle into a cube is intimidating. Taking a, the head of a pig, shaving it and roasting it, that's intimidating in 2009. Julie's making lamb roast, mashed potato and green beans, but with a really great yummy flair which uses spices and stuff like that. Mm. And time, what's time? Oh, if I thought that for a second that the show was just about marketing, making money at the end of all of this, then yeah, Julie should win. But clearly because she fucked up the dishes and this is a cooking show and in the past anyone who's gone home has gone home because they did not complete the challenge, mm. they did not do the challenge right, because of that Julie's clearly not going to make it into the final two mm. despite the fact that she has the most marketable recipe book. So they sat them down mm -hmm. uh, and they said, yes. Yes, we said it's all about the photography. Yes, we said it's all about the presentation. But here's the thing. If it doesn't taste great, what's the point? Mm. So that's actually fact, what we're yeah, judging despite now. Despite the fact at the start they mentioned nothing about that. They were like, we want the food to look good. And then now they're like, it, it's got to look good, sure, but. I mean, it's got to taste yummy. Yeah, if it doesn't taste yummy, and Donna Hay was just like, "Well, this is a nice, this is this is yummy. It doesn't look good on the plate, but it does taste good." They're like, "Shut the fuck up, Donna Hay. This is the best lamb roll I've ever eaten. This tastes so good." Mm. And she's like, "Yes, but you know, it's just white, and then the color of the lamb with a bit of green. It wouldn't photograph very well." Mm. Shut the fuck up, Donna Hay. Mm. Mm. Um, Chris went home. Chris went home. They didn't really. So here's what I will say in defense of Julie. She did have a great idea for a cookbook and apparently his Pedro Zimenez beef cheek tasted fuck. Yeah. <laughs> they that's were like, fair. They were like, oh, that tastes wrong. Yeah. And admittedly, I've realized like he hasn't cooked anything good for like four weeks. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> but, but I just found it very interesting watching it with 2020 eyes or whatever. Um, that. Oh, it makes sense why she. <laughs> Although I think what MasterChef didn't anticipate is that within the season of MasterChef, they would change the culture of Australia so much. Yeah, of course. That a marketable cooking book is the fucked weird shit. Like, like they they didn't yeah. anticipate how much the culture of Australia would change. That the market for a complicated cookbook yeah. would come would be like. The show that brought on Donna Hay at the end was the very show that like pushed Donna Hay out for Maggie Beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like no longer we no longer want Donna Hay. Yeah. If if they're gonna be a home cook, they're mm. gonna be Maggie Beer with her verd juice. Yeah. Um no, so I think, you know, like I, I will say in defense of Julie, apparently two out of the three dishes that uh he he made was bad. But they didn't really go into the description. The other thing I find funny is that yesterday they were in tears. They were so, yeah. so, so sad to see Justine go. And today they were just like, all right, off you pop. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, Chris, mate, oh, get rough, that, eh? Hey, you were, you were really good. By the way, when you have your uh, meat restaurant, I'll eat there. 
Uh, see ya. <laughs> the funny thing about Chris is, um, I love Chris. I love Chris, but there's a lot of posturing about how he deserves to win and like a lot of, but that recipe didn't live up to my high expectations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I've never actually seen. No, the pig was good. The pig head was good. Yeah, apparently. Um, um, so we've got our final two. Oh my God. We have Julie Goodwin. Who will lose. And Poe. Who will win. Yes. Isn't that exciting? It is so I mean, exciting. Like I said at the start of this, there is that element of like, oh God, like now because I know Poe is going to win. Yeah, what's the, the point the of watching? The excitement's gone. But I'm excited to see the amazing dishes that Poe puts up. I think that that will be really, really interesting. They said on the masterclass, um, which we watch, we still insist on watching and then we never talk about. Let's, let's just also just state that at the start of this process when we were about to I make said this it. podcast, I, I said, said I don't think we need to watch masterclass. And you went, no, nah, no, nah, it'll be funny. Yeah, because I, tr- I trust you. Yeah, it's good. We get we got some good stuff from the masterclass. Although this one was actually, I would very say good. the best thing we ever got from this entire podcast I know, no, was I, the I, yeah. coming up next chips, <laughs> eggy bread. <laughs> coming up next, George makes eggy bread. It's very very good. Coming um, up, next, I have to say though, so George the makes next us a bowl is- of chips. Coming up after the break, George makes some some baked beans. It's very funny. Um, uh, this was a great masterclass because it was, we have it's our fun functioned too. as a bit of a reunion. Yeah, so they brought back all the twenty, and they were all there. It was amazing. There was Greg Norman. There was Melissa. There was. Sam was back. Sam was back. And we love Sam. Can I just say... Um, Zach, we love Sam. Can I just say, now that I watched Sam, now that I think they asked him one question, and I just, I have to say, I was completely wrong about Sam. He seems like a really cool guy. I really like him. Um, I've, I think very fondly of Sam. I think Sam's a good cook. Really charismatic. He loves and, food. And if he chooses not to be a chef in the future, yeah. that's because... That's fine. And we love Sam. We love Sam so much. If I got anything out of this entire, entire season of MasterChef, it's that I have a lot of respect, admiration and love for Sam. I wish Sam won. Oh, Matt, how exciting would it be I wish Sam Sam won. won. Who else had family members DM us? Andre should have won. Andre should have won. Andre and Sam are the best. If Andre and Sam had made the final two, that would have brought such a joy to my life. That would have been good. Andre, Andre, I wanted to eat that strawberry champagne risotto. (laughs) Yummy. (laughs) Yummy. And Sam... Tofu's weird. It, it is, is weird. weird, Sam. Navy is made up of boys, yes, Sam. Sam, when, if you join the Navy, Navy, you're a man. You, of course they're boys. We're, so, we're not Nothing sorry. Is, we're not even sorry because we've always loved we've Sam. We've always loved Sam. I'm not going to apologise for anything I've said because I've never said anything bad about Sam. Has anyone else DM'd us? No, just it was only Sam's sister. <laughs> And Andre's cousin. Uh, like Andre's cousin's partner or something like that. We love Sam. <laughs> we love Andre. Yeah, they're great. And I I wish them nothing but the best. And if for whatever reason they listen to this podcast, 
and this is the first episode they listen to, don't listen to the others. Don't listen to the others. There's no need to because, because all it is is just hours Sam. of singing your praise. It's just saying Sam's a good guy. We it's love- not us applying a 2020 lens to like just a regular <laughs> 22-year-old yeah. guy. We love Sam. We love Andre. And, like, hypothetically, clearly, if in 10 years' time some of the things that you were saying are problematic, Sam, I'm sure that you could listen back and be like, oh, I'm a bit ashamed of what I said. And then we're all in the same boat anyway, but you wouldn't have to do that because we love you. We love Sam. And I want to say that I actually do want to say, like, I was saying worse shit than that in 09. Yeah. So, and as were you, yeah. Mish. Yeah. <laughs> We love you, Sam. We love you, Andre. <laughs> and it was really good to see you both again. It was good to see you back. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't wait for your break. In case anyone else is listening, you're all good and bait was a good idea. Trevor, the bait was so good, Trevor. Oh, oh my God. God. I and I gotta say, oh, I think Chris and Julie were sitting together and that's age appropriate. Yeah, Chris and Chris, Julia. Chris, Chris and, and Julia, Julia, that's age appropriate. And you're both over 18. You should yes. have a kiss. You should. Marriage. 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 Oh, if anyone else and George, we, even if you done to pay your workers one day, we understand that's a cultural thing. And also, George, like if you get violent at a football game with a 17-year-old, it's okay. Everyone's underpaying their workers. Darren Purchase is underpaying <laughs> their workers. It's a cultural thing. We're sorry that you were the one that were caught that was caught out for something that everyone was doing. It never occurred to Zach and I that when we started a podcast based on season one of MasterChef Australia. That anyone would listen. That anyone would fucking listen to this. <laughs> this was literally you. So Zach and I had some practice to do something else maybe better. And yet oh, people tuned in. Oh, my God. And even when people started to tune in, I thought there's no way anyone would listen to this that was in any way at all involved in MasterChef season one. Oh, but my they God. Have. And we, we love, love you all equally. We love you guys. And Julie, if you're listening, we're being ironic. <laughs> we're being ironic. We're just reflecting the culture that was so cruel to you, Julie. We love you, Julie. They were cruel to you when you won. We know you're going to win, Julie. And you deserve that win. Poe is too erratic. She'll come back. She'll be fine. Her cookbook just wouldn't sell in 2009. Poe, Julie. Poe was the Anthony, Anthony Kalia to your Casey Casey Donovan. But let's be honest, Casey Donovan is raw, is real. I'm not even going to lie. I was so glad when Casey Donovan won Australian Idol. I voted for her three times. I, I was a big fan. And then when I saw her, like the media destroy Casey throughout the years, I was like, don't do it to Casey. her. And then she's come back, sort of. She's and come back. We love Casey we Donovan. We love Casey Donovan. Not that plastic, fantastic fucking Anthony Kalia. I tell you what, that <laughs> fucking plastic, fantastic. No, we love Um, But all I'm saying is, (laughs) all I'm saying is, Sam, it was good to see you again. 
Good to see Sam again. Um, so they did a masterclass. The, my favourite thing that has ever happened in a masterclass ever was at the end of the masterclass episode because there's no need to go into it really. It was they they, they made um, George and Gary do a mystery box. Mystery so Julian Poe made up a mystery box with, with fucking brains in it. And despite the fact that George was like, ew, a century egg, that's gross, he mixed brains with milk. I'm not. I'm not confident. I'm not confident that they didn't know it was coming. Yeah, no, because they, they seemed very aware. And of it also, coming. most of it was just George taking the piss out of how shit the contestants are. Yeah, like, he was like, "Oh, I'm oh. nervous." Yeah, it's like, why are you being so, honestly? All jokes aside about how much we love George, don't be such a cunt. Like, you are a professional chef, and you're teasing these. These fucking contestants. People that are putting themselves out, out there, there for you. Yo, I'm a nervous Nelly. Don't judge my food. Yeah, what is wrong with you, you arrogant prick? But we love, love George. George. We love him. Anyway, um, um, at the end of the masterclass, they'd obviously ordered catering. <laughs> they all sat around a big table amongst some catering. And um, they did a flashback uh, montage of the best moments of Masterclass. Masterclass is the most fucked show. It really ever. is. And I hope one day they do a best of and everyone's professional chefs and they sit around and listen to someone who's as experienced as them go, this is how I chop fish. And they're all like, I know. <laughs> yeah. That'd be very funny. Um, I, I, I also wanted to note uh, right at the end, uh, I think it was Gary was like, uh, to just to Poe and Julie mm-hmm. Goodwin, they were like, are you excited for the finale? And they're like, yep. And they were like, Julie, if you want to win this, you've got to be organized. You've got to stop stressing. You've got to focus. You've got to uh, do your best. You've got to really focus on presentation. Poe, yeah, you're going Yeah. Poe. Just do what you do yeah, best. You gotta, you gotta I actually think I said just do what you do best and you'll be fine. Because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> Poe's going to win. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we say it every week, but it's hardly worth it. Who's winning? Poe. Poe. We've been saying Poe for months now. Um, cannot wait to see Poe win next week. Uh, let, let, let's uh, Join us next week, uh, mm-hmm. Sunday night finale. We, we, are, uh, we are going to be doing our finale episode, Everything. Mm. Everything, just one episode. We are gonna. We are so excited. This is a cultural event. Mm. I predict. I predict five hundred thousand people are gonna watch wow. this episode. 500, you know what? 000. I'm gonna up that. I reckon six fifty. Well, let's see. Six hundred and fifty thousand people. Um, if you guys have any predictions about who might win, or if you have any like reflections on what what's happened over the last you know three months mm. um, of MasterChef, feel free to send them our way. We um, love receiving your messages. Hit them up, yeah, and like uh, you know, we love reviews as well. I think maybe for our finale, we might because this. I think we're going to wrap this show up. I don't think we're going to do a season two. This will be a self-contained little channel, uh, we'll podcast channel. Else. We'll be back with something else. Um, but we want, you know, chuck us some reviews, not that it matters because there's no reason to just let, and we'll read them out at the end of this. Just like what you think of, um, what you, what your predictions of who's going to win, who your favorite contestants are. How MasterChef has been for you, whether this podcast was at all helpful to your journey with MasterChef Australia (laughs) season one, because we've all got one. We all Um, have a MasterChef journey. We cannot wait for the finale next week. Uh, And then I think as well, maybe in 10 years, we might do a reunion, get back together, talk about the podcast. Yeah, it's possible. So like, 
that would be if like I mean who knows where we'll be in ten years? Who knows? Who knows? And we'll look back over over the success of this channel and the show. Mm. But thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week when Poe wins. When Poe wins. Bye. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.